This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We've been in Nehemiah now for eight weeks. Uh, This is uh, the eighth sermon in the series, and I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the study of it, man. I could have preached last Sunday uh, for a couple more hours. Uh, Probably I didn't do that to you, Um, but I really enjoyed Nehemiah chapter 8 last week. In fact, if you were not here last week, I I do encourage you to listen to it or watch it, um, YouTube or podcast, whatever you want to do there. Um, But also, I want to encourage you to go back and read it. Read the the chapter, Nehemiah chapter 8, and look at the things inside of Nehemiah chapter 8 and just see uh, some of the interesting things that we have taken um, in our church, in our church cultures. We have taken uh, from that chapter um, that helps us when it talks of, when it speaks of preaching, when it speaks of holding a public service. And so, Nehemiah chapter 9, to the title of today's sermon is a revival of the people, a revival of the people. If you want to look at the whole book of Nehemiah, uh, if you really want to break it apart, you know how we did Ephesians? We did the first three chapters of Ephesians with something, and the last three chapters of Ephesians kind of hit on something else. Uh, Nehemiah, the first six chapters, records the rebuilt wall. The, the details, where they came from, who did what. But chapters 7 through 14 is really the rebuilt people. It's how after the wall was completed, now we're in chapter 9, but beginning in chapter 7, they kind of begin the rebuilding of the people. And it's a truth that we brought out last week, but let's not get so caught up in rebuilding walls that we don't rebuild ourselves and we don't rebuild people. In fact, burnout occurs in church after church after church in, um, in people with really good hearts and people with servant spirits and people that love. Burnout happens because oftentimes... They rebuild walls and 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 rebuild walls. Rebuild people, themselves and others. And I want to say this, I say this to my, I literally say this to myself. May I not get so caught up in the ministry of God that I don't rebuild my relationship with God. I hope you understand this morning that I as a pastor of a New Testament local church could get up here every Sunday in my flesh and could preach in my flesh the Bible, in my flesh. And that I could do that and pastors have done that over time, but it always comes out in the end. May I today not be guilty of doing the work, the wall, and not the people. And that's just a, that's a a general thought that we have from the entire book of Nehemiah, uh, but it's also one that I believe applies directly to our lives. Uh, Last week in that chapter 8, Ezra, the priest, opened up the word and uh, preached an entire message from the word in chapter 8. He literally read the book of the law to the people, we said conservatively, for four hours. For four hours, he did nothing but open up God's word and read the word. Um, I hope you set your uh, fantasy football rosters today and everything. Um, Get your mind focused back here on the word. We're going to be here for at least three more hours. I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not. But in fact, we saw that the people had a thirst and a desire for the word of God. 
And we even noted that at the beginning of chapter 4, the people who were weary and tired from the work, they even told the book of the law and read it to us. It's as if they knew that they were spiritually and physically and emotionally worn down after traveling three months across the desert, after giving 52 days of sunup to sundown physical labor. It's as if they knew they needed the recharge. It's as if they knew they needed the word to read it to them. And at the end of the day from last week, what we did was we kind of reaffirmed our position and our stance as a church on we're going to preach the word. Uh, we, are, we are not going to be a church that preaches um, my opinion. We're not going to be a church uh, that preaches politics. We're not going to be a church uh, that preaches my five or six topics that I enjoy in the Bible and I feel like they're in my wheelhouse so I'm going to preach those because it makes me feel better because I preach those sermons better and you give me more compliments. That's not what we're going to do. Um, we're going to preach the word and when we get to the difficult parts of the word we're going to read those and if we need to understand them better then we're going to give the sense and we're going to make it understandable for people just like they did in Nehemiah chapter 8. But we want to reaffirm our position, and we did last week, and our commitment to preaching the word boldly and clearly. But what happened then as a result? After the Israelites were delivered the book of the law by Ezra, what happened? At the end of chapter 8, they went into a few days of honoring what is called the Festival of Booths, where they come together and they reminisce actually on the wilderness wanderings, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Uh, they took some time to do that. But then we get to chapter 9. And we're going to find here in chapter 9 what else happens after the people hear the word of God uh, for a long period of time, are attentive unto the word of God, and understand the word of God. And I hope today that the word of God speaks to your heart and speaks to my heart. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, be with the preaching of your word. God, I pray that you remove any distraction right now from any, any, the mind and heart of any person. God, I pray that you remove any distraction in my heart. God, I know this week maybe was a tough week for some people. I, I don't know. But God, I pray that we would just leave that behind for just a few minutes and open up your word, listen to your word, read your word, and let your word change us. We know you said... Through the pen of the Apostle Paul, that your word is it's alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharp. And God, we know that it is, it's profitable. Amen. Amen. What we're going to find today, and we're going to walk through this passage in this text, but what we're going to find today is that the reading of God's word, the preaching of God's word, led the people and the children of Israel into a season of repentance and worship. A season of repentance to the outline of the text this morning. First, I want us to see this. They humbly repented. So they read the word in chapter 8 for hours. And now we see here in chapter 9, look at verse 1. Simply says this, now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Those are symbolic of their repentance then those of israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners another one of their uh one of the things that they did in their in their time and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers 
the truth from God's word caused them to confess their sins. And can I say this morning that the truth from God's word, when it is preached and it is preached with honesty and with integrity, should cause us to do some introspection, to look inward. It should then cause us, as a result of introspection, it should force us into times of repentance. Repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is a good word. Repentance is a biblical word. Repentance is a word that needs to be a part of our lives on a monthly, weekly, daily. Acknowledge our sin and to acknowledge where we are wrong, to come to grips with the fact that we are wrong, and to turn from our sin, and, and instead of doing wrong, to walk in the right way and to do what's right. That is repentance and biblical repentance. And can I say this this morning, that a steady intake of God's Word will produce moments of repentance in the heart of a humble Christian. A steady intake of God's word will produce moments of repentance in the heart of the humble Christian. Now the prideful Christian can resist and resist and resist and resist. But the heart of a humble Christian cannot read this book for long before something in this book is going to start to work on that heart and start to produce change in that life. You cannot read God's word on a consistent basis and hear God's word on a consistent basis and it not push you to repent. My question for you this morning is, when have you truly been convicted of sin in your life from a specific passage in the Bible? I'm going to repeat that question. When is the last time you have truly been convicted of sin in your life from a specific passage in the Bible? Not because a pastor made you feel guilty. Not because you or you specifically heard a text of scripture and the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin. When I was a young person and kind of playing the game, the Christianity game, I was asked this question one time and I didn't know how to answer it. So I'm going to ask it to you. When is the last time you made a significant spiritual decision as a result of of reading the Bible? It's a great question. When is the last time you made a significant spiritual decision as a result of reading the Bible? You see, they repented of their sin and they were, they were, they were pushed into this posture of repentance because of listening to the Word of God. And can I say this? If it has been weeks since you've bowed your head and bowed your knee and bowed your heart before God to acknowledge your sin, then maybe we need to take time today and, and come together as a church in repentance of our sin. Can I say this? God will not bless your sin. I don't know how easy, I don't know how more. God will not bless your sin. And if we are going to be true followers with our hearts, God is not going to bless our sin. And can I say this? May the preaching of God's word, may the reading of God's word, may the singing of God's word, may it turn us to repentance of sin. We address that sin through scripture, and you know the Holy Spirit has led you here to hear that sin preached about in scripture, then the proper response is, God, I'm wrong. God, you're right. 
God, I repent. God, help and lead me away from my sin and lead me into a closer relationship with you. That's the answer. So often, look, let's be real. So often we sit and we're like, oh, I know I'm doing that, but I mean, I know that's me, but can I be human? I have personally been preaching before and I know I'm preaching about something that people inside the room are actively doing. That is obviously sin. Like it's in the Bible, red, yellow, black, and white in the Bible right here. That's just black and white today, but no red in there. But, uh, and literally like, I know they're living in that sin. I know that it's so obvious. It's not a debatable item in scripture. It's like, this is scripture. It is sin. I know your personal testimony. And I'm like, honestly, and I I hate, but every now and then in the back of my head, I'm like, God, please use this scripture in, in their lives. Like, Please help this to be something that would awaken them spiritually. And it's like stone face. And then later I'll get like a text or a handshake. That was an amazing message. Thank you so much. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like the the scripture, the word should lead you to repentance, not to nothing. And then, man, that was really good. I'm just going to keep sinning and keep living my lifestyle. Peace. Thanks, pastor. At the end of the day, when God's word speaks to our sin, we are to repent of our sin. That's very clear. And that's what it led to in the lives of the Israelites. Notice they didn't just repent of their personal sin. They repented of the sins of their fathers. They even acknowledged their nation's sins. Look at verses 16 and 17 in this chapter. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. This is their prayer. They refused to obey. This is the fathers, the the previous generation. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they, they hardened their necks and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. You see, the children of Israel, because of the reading of God's word and the preaching of God's word, not only did they want nothing personally between their heart and the heart of God, but they even wanted to make sure there was nothing in their nation, like even corporately. God, if there's anything that our fathers did, we know they sinned. God, we confess our fathers sin, the sins of the previous generation. They wanted so much for their hearts to be right in repentance toward God. And can I say this? It wouldn't be a bad thing every now and then for us to say, God, I want to be right. God, if there's anything that, God, I come to you on behalf of our country. God, I I'm sorry for the sin of our country. I know I'm just one man, but God, I'm I'm so sorry for the way we sin against you. I'm so sorry for the way come before God on behalf of a whole nation. Repentance. They humbly repented. And can I say and repeat that a true comprehension of God's word in the heart of a humble believer and a humble Christian it will lead you to repentance. It will lead you to repentance. If there has not been seasons of repentance recently in your life, we know there's seasons of sin. So there should be seasons of repentance. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see this. Not only were they humbly repenting, but secondly, they thirsted for more. They thirsted for more. Remember, just a couple of, they listened to the Bible being read for hours and hours. Look at verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one 
fourth of the day. And for another fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Just one chapter previous they heard the word of the Lord we said for four hours. We were being very conservative last week when we said that. And they come right back in this chapter and once again they want to stand up and read the book of the law. This time for six hours. This time six hours straight. Hearing the word of God. It's as if they said we caught a glimpse of the law of the Lord and we want more. It's as if we caught a taste of this bread and we want the loaf. It's as if we want more Bible, more Bible, more Bible. Hey, we're starting a new Connect Group series. We started one last week. More Bible. Then we're going to introduce a new sermon series for Christmas. More Bible. More Bible. More Bible. I picked up a new devotional book at the store the other day. I found one online and it shipped in. More Bible. More Bible. I started a new, maybe online, version uh, devotion. I really like this, this Bible teacher or this preacher that I listen to on the internet. More Bible, and please make sure they're preaching. More Bible, more Bible, more Bible, because you can easily be led astray. More Bible. Hey, listen, every single time that we gather together, we gather together under this book. This, I like to say it this way, this book is food. It sustains us. This book is food, and I'll be honest with you, three times a day, I'm getting my food. Some people say, are you hungry? No, it's just time to eat. I'm not hungry. It's supper time. Like, let's go eat. I mean, if it's 6.30, it's too late, so let's go get this thing done. It's like the Word of God is like, for me, my favorite food, and you all have your own favorite food, my favorite food is chips and salsa. It is as if... I'm back at that Mexican restaurant, and they're like, would you like another bowl, sir? And it's like, yeah, I I would. (laughs) Would you like another one? Sure, go ahead, throw another one in there. Let's do it, let's do it. It's as if it always is there. And here's the good thing about God's Word. This is the amazing thing about God's Word. You can read it through multiple times a year, and when you come back to that same passage, and guess what, the Holy Spirit's going to show you something that maybe He didn't show you the last time. Maybe you're going to see something, and and maybe you're going to understand it in a way that you've never understood it before. Because God's word is the bread, it is, it, is, it is sufficiency, it is food for our living. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12, 13, and 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He's explaining here. A Christian that is fallen away or is, that a, or is a, a baby Christian. So either one that is very backslidden and not been around the word or one that is, is a baby in Christ. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And can I say this? If you, if you have been a Christian any amount of time, it's time to get off the bottle and it's time to get like a a ribeye okay it's time to stop with like I can have this little yogurt here and it's time to it's time to step up it's time to step out of the milk into the meat of God's Word and can I say this we need to as a church develop a thirst and a hunger for God's 
word, just like the children of Israel had it. And remember, this is of the law of God. This is of, honestly, us to understand. The different laws, the ceremonial laws, the moral laws, all the things that the Israelites had to do. Some of the most difficult parts of Scripture for us. I mean, they weren't reading Ephesians chapter 2 to them. They weren't reading Romans 5. They weren't reading these, these passages. They weren't reading John 3.16. They up and begging and asking for more. This morning, can we as a church not only let the reading of God's word push us to repent, but may the reading and the preaching of God's word make us want it more. And can I say this? When, it, when we want God's word more, when we're around preaching that is not biblical preaching, we will understand it better and we will be more apt to say, that's not what I want. That's not the quality that I want. And so let's understand that we've been called to meat, not to milk. We've been called to the meat of the word this morning. Thirdly, I want us to see that they worshiped God. They worshiped God. This is quite a long text here that we'll be reading. I want to invite you to look in your Bibles, beginning in verse 4, or it'll be on the screen here in verse 4. By the way, I'm not going to say all these names, but one of them is named Bunny. So, you know, you guys can do with it what you will. But then this group of people stood on the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice, Levites, and I'm going to go ahead and call them Joshua. And the other people said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, and the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, proudly against them. You made a name for yourself, as it is this day. And you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the, on the dry land. And their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made them, I'm sorry, you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go and to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. Now they take some time right there. They take some time 
and they worship. They take some time and they think about what God has done in their lives. They take some time for a little while and they stand and they bless the Lord, their God, forever and ever. They say things like, blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. And they worship him. Can I say this morning that God's word should lead you to repent, overflow in you, in worship? You see, this morning, our worship this morning is not emotion-driven. Even though emotions are a part of life, and emotions are wonderful, and I love showing my emotion in worship, but we don't, we don't drive our worship by emotion this morning. We drive our worship by the praise of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. That's what drives it this morning. That's what we want this morning as we come together. The people came together in a time of public worship and were moved to give adoration and praise to God Almighty. The leaders encouraged the people to stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And can I just say this? If, if you need my permission, I encourage you to bless the Lord. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. It's okay. I'm, I am giving you permission to praise the Lord. You say, now Josh, it's a little odd. What well, sermon for awkwardness? It's okay. I'm not going to ask you today to stand up physically and to bless the Lord and praise the Lord. However, we should become accustomed to and comfortable with having seasons of our life where we say, I don't care who's around. I don't care where we are. God has been good to me. While we're singing on a Sunday and look around and see if anybody else has their hand raised, if God moves me to raise my hand, I'm going to raise my hand because I don't really care what you think. That's why I sit on the front row because I don't care what y'all think. And say things like, you alone are the Lord. You are my creator, God. You alone are the Lord. You alone are Lord. You are my sustainer. God, you alone are the Lord. You're my deliverer, God. You alone are Lord. You're my provider. And that's exactly what they did. They went through and they highlighted times where God had delivered them. They highlighted times where God had provided water from the rock when they needed water. And they provided, that he provided manna from heaven when they needed food. They went through all those times and they just worshipped God for who he was. They worshipped him for who he was. And can I say this this morning? That the word of God, the preaching, the teaching, the reading, the, the diving into the word of God this morning ought to push us and get us into a state where we don't know what else to do but give praise, worship, and adoration to the King of kings, Jesus, to die for us, the one who's prepared a place for us, the one who is with us 24-7, has given us his spirit. We, have, we can't think of anything else to do but to praise him and to worship him and to give him adoration this morning. To lift our voice in praise to the God who wrote this book. To the God who sent his son. Because he is worthy of our praise. He alone is the Lord. I've been told before, Josh, now, easy. 
praise and worship and things like that, those are private matters. I've been told that before. And uh, I believed it for like three minutes or so. And then I started thinking of all the times this is one of them in Scripture. Where the people gathered together publicly and praised and worshipped and adored God. And can I just say this? I'm all for your private worship. I think a lot of people that only public worship need to start private worshiping. I think that needs to be the case. But can I just say this? If your private worship is true, it's going to turn public at some point in time. If you truly love and worship and adore and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, well, guess what? Every now and then, it's going to happen in a public setting. Because if you're true to who you are, it's going to come out. Hey, listen, we can't sing, my Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. We can't sing that song much without praise and worship and adoration naturally flowing from who you are. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the author of this book, when we hear his words, we should be pushed into praise, adoration, and worship. They had revival. Hey, that's what revival looks like God's word and people worshiped they experienced revival in their hearts what's the last element of this revival that came as a result of God's word lastly I want us to see this they experienced God's grace they experienced God's grace look at verse 17 in chapter 9 the Bible says this, but you are God, amen, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. This is what grace looks like. Look at the same chapter, Nehemiah chapter 9, look down at verse 20. You all struck them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. And their feet... Listen, the context there is this is during the time they're acknowledging the wilderness wanderings for 40 years. They just got done with the festival of booths in the last chapter acknowledging it's fresh on their minds they confess it in their worship time of all god did listen when they were wandering in the wilderness their clothes did not wear out their shoes did not wear out their feet did not swell you know what that's called that's called grace hey that's called an overabundance of grace that's called god showing off that's called God giving us what we do not deserve and that is grace these people experienced the grace of God in their lives not only experiencing God's grace in the rebuilding physically of the walls that was God's grace but they re revisited God's grace throughout the years leading up to that and they were reveling in God's grace at that moment of who God is and what God has done for them. Hey, that's what revival looks like. Revival looks like people going, God's been so good to me. Revival looks like, man, I've never even noticed this element in my life. Man, that's God's grace in my life. I had not even, 
it's been seven years. Married now for this long, and this is the first time I've really understood this in light of God's grace. We've had kids now for 11 years, and this is the God's grace. That's what revival looks like. It is a newfound love for. It's a newfound thirst for. It's a newfound recognition of God's grace. True revival will, after repenting and turning from your sin, after diving into God's word, after worshiping him, true revival will bring to your mind God's grace. What it has done in your life, what it is doing currently in your life, and by faith, what it will do for your future in your life. They understood God's grace. You say, Josh, do you truly understand God's grace? I wish I did. I'm trying to learn it and learn it and understand it more every single day. I can't comprehend it. It's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. But I know this, if I want seasons of revival in my life, then I will comprehend it more. I will be more aware of it I will think about the times in my past where God has shown it to me. I will highlight the grace in my life. Listen, at least 10 hours of reading the Bible to the people. Reading the Bible. At least 10 hours reading the text, preaching the text, and explaining the text. 10 hours. At least 10 hours of Ezra reading verbally from the book of the law and all those people that we couldn't pronounce, Bunny and all the friends, um, down there helping people understand what it meant. Hey, as Ezra's reading the law, hey, we don't quite understand that. Oh, great. Come over here. Let me explain it to you. This is what, this is what that portion means. Revival broke out. Revival broke out. It broke out, and here's what it looked like. We don't, we don't like it. Anyway, I'm, all, I'm not going to get off on a rabbit trail here, but we want revival as long as revival looks like what we think it ought to look like. Okay? We want revival as long as it fits our mold of what revival is. That's why so many people are so scared to death right now that possibly the most popular rap artist in the last 20 years has gotten saved. Because we want revival to look like someone singing Amazing Grace in our church and coming down to an altar at our church and getting right with God. It makes us uncomfortable when it happens in other ways. That's all I'm going to say about that. We, only, we like revival when it looks like us. Okay, We don't like revival when God does things abnormally. Okay, But here's what it looks like. It looks like the prideful becoming humble and opening up this book in prayer and repentance, saying, God, give me more. God, I worship you. God, your grace in my life. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's what revival looks like. Now listen, if that causes you to run laps and scream and holler, awesome. Run laps and scream and holler. If it causes you to sit there and tears well up in your eyes and you can't really talk to someone after church because God's dealing with you in that way. That's fine. If it means that you're not emotional at all and God just works on your heart and you go back home today and you open up Nehemiah chapter 8 and chapter 9 and you read it again and you say, God, just continue to speak to me, God, because I really do. I want to be on fire for you. I really want a revival in my spirit. I don't care how it looks. 
I don't care how it looks. I don't care if it comes in the form of worship music or it comes in the form of rap music. I could care less. I could care if it comes in, in, in my little box of Christianity or if it comes bursting out of my box of Christianity. I just want revival in my heart. I just want revival in my spirit. I just want for as many people that come in contact with me to understand that my calling in life is to bring glory to God by bringing other people to Jesus. That's revival. Let's stop making it. We're going to skip them between now and September. Y'all chill on the revival stuff. Stop repenting and praising Jesus. We're going to schedule revival for September. And during those three days, God's going to be able to move. We hope it happens because we got church coming up the next Sunday. And we, you know, that's fine. Schedule revival. I'm all for it. We need it in our spirit sometimes. But true revival, and we're done, will happen centered around God's word. Not centered around the issues of the day. True revival will happen only centered around God's word. Revival will be coupled with dedication to prayer and to repentance. A dedication to prayer and a dedication to repentance. Revival, thirdly, will produce a spirit of worship among God's people. And lastly, revival will awaken our souls. Can I just add to my notes? When we experience grace like we've never known, you know, shown. Revival. I hate to tell you this morning, that, but revival in Nehemiah's time didn't look like revival of the 1950s in America. It's okay. Revival in Nehemiah's time doesn't look like revival that is taking place today in Iran, by the way, the fastest growing Christian nation in the world, Iran. It doesn't look like the revival that's taking place in the underground church in China. It's okay. Revival, personally, is humbly, repenting, thirsting, worshiping, and experiencing God's grace. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.